I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, Brandon Jarrell Newman. Brandon, how you doing? I'm doing well, Mike. How are you this Tuesday? Fired up, man. Really? Why? I watched the training montage from Rocky IV right before this. Ooh, is that now? Is that when he's in Russia? Yes. Oh, the the mountains, the hills. I mean, depending on where you're at in the country, that that, that is uh, right where. You are, I guess. The the bomber jacket that he's wearing while he's running out in this Russian hillside, being followed around by the KGB, going and just living and working out in nature. It's like dry scooping C it's like dry scooping C4. Like taking <laughs> pre workout and just dumping it right into the gullet. It's like a red line. Yes. 100%. Like, remember the original Jack 3D pre-workout before they took out all the stuff in it that was going to give you, like, a heart attack, more or less, or whatever the hell was wrong with that? That's yeah. what watching that scene is like for me. It's just one of those every time. I saw someone on Twitter say that it was on, and I will go running. Now, I have plenty of takes about the Rocky franchise and where Rocky won, the only one to win Best Picture actually ranks in it, which is third at best. But do Rocky Four and the training montage in there are elite. Russian steroids, a man going out and just chopping wood, swinging around the yoke, working out and doing abs in front of his wife. It's all perfect. It, it really is. John Hen- John Henry is the name of the black, uh, the, the folklore, the guy who's just against the locomotive. Like, it's really the man versus the machine. 100%. My favorite part is when you're watching Drago training, which, by the way, physique-wise, Drago walked so that Chris Hemsworth could later fly as Thor. The amount of okay. steroids that went into handcrafting that perfect physique were out of control. But watching him work out in front of a group of suited-up Russian operatives, like all of the government officials who are just yes. in there watching him shoulder-press 315 at the end of that scene, is incredible to think about. Like how awkward it would be 
working out in front of a bunch of people that are just there staring at you like a lab rat. Mike, it reminds me of the Hunger Games when you go get your score. It's like, like show us your skill. I mean, it's like the combine. <laughs> yeah, why are we trying to extrapolate these pop culture references? It's the combine. It's, it's coming saying, soon. We, we do this next weekend. It is the actual combine. Uh, uh, we got a great show for you guys today. Um, very exciting. Super Bowl champion, offensive lineman for the Kansas City Chiefs, Trey Smith is going to join the show. We caught up with him fresh off the parade last week, got to talk to him about what it's like being a champion right now, being the tone setter on that offensive line, playing with Patrick Mahomes, and our shared love of anime. I had been waiting to nerd out with Trey for a long time, so very excited to get to share that with everybody. Some very good anime recs in there from one of the best young offensive linemen in the league. Very excited to talk to Super Bowl champion, Mike. But before we completely switch gears, what were some movie scenes that people told you that has them ready to run through a wall? Oh, yes. I did uh, ask everyone on Twitter in honor of that, what would be the scene that gets you to run through. Brandon, the only other one I posited, and I'll throw in TV shows in this too, and I'll say that there were two that stick out for me. One is the Maximus Decimus Meridius reveal scene in Gladiator when Russell Crowe reveals himself to Joaquin Phoenix, the emperor, Uh, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. That was the first R-rated movie I ever saw. I remember like it was yesterday. My dad took me and my brother and was like, hey, this is going to be kind of intense, you know, You guys both good for this? You ready to go? And it is still one of my favorite movies to this day. It's one of the best Russell Crowe movies I've ever seen. And that particular moment where you see the fear in another grown man's eyes, and him and Joaquin Phoenix were both incredible in that movie, but that moment to me is like the pivotal moment in the entire thing. Yeah, that that makes me remember um, 300 and, and, you know, when the – when the guy comes to the town and they kick them in the pit and you're like, they flip the script on him like, Oh shit. And then the rest of that movie, it just starts there and just keeps rolling. I always remember Brandon, the scene in that movie where they're on the hillside and Leonidas looks at the rest of them and goes, Spartans, what is your profession? And you hear the, Oh, 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 because when we went on the road and played Michigan state, I think our freshman or sophomore year, their student section did that prompted by that screen on the video board. And it was one of the hardest things I ever saw an opposing fan base do. Yeah. I mean, yes. Even though they weren't Spartans, it felt like they were in that moment, Uh, especially a couple of years removed from that movie. Mike, for me, uh, the films that have me ready to run through a mall, a mall. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, interesting prompt in its own right. (laughs) There's a couple scenes in Clueless that have me ready to run through a mall. All of Stranger Things season two. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes. Um, for some reason, Stewie and Brian episodes of Family Guy uh, popped to mind as well. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I would say it's unfortunately Disney movies, Mike. And I know I wish I was like a more complex person, but when you're talking about fighting montages, Hercules when he's getting his shit together is is a great one. Uh, and you have the sirens singing. Um, Obviously, you got Mulan, make a man out of you. Uh, And then for me, Mike, you know, I'm a Lion King kid. The one rap song that is in that movie 
is when Timon and Pumbaa are, are like go and like create a diversion, right? Oh yeah, and he's and Timon, uh, Timon says, "What do you want me to dress and drag and do a hula?" And cut to, "Are you hungry for a hunky fat juicy meat?" Eat my buddy Puma here because here's a treat. Come on down and get nine. No, it's crazy swine. All you gotta do is get in line. Ah, oh, yeah, can yep 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 for some bacon. Yep yep yep. He's a big pig. Yep yep. You can be a big pig too. Ooh. And then they run off and the, ugh, man, that whole fight scene. <laughs> Rafiki hitting the the. What the? I mean. I never thought of that as a rap song, and now I'll never not think of it as a rap song in that movie. Oh, uh, at TP Kelly also agreed with you on Mulan, which I think is an incredible. Like, I'll make a man out of you and the Mulan soundtrack in general. Stuff yes. that'll have you ready to go up and fight. Um, a lot of people, uh, Tyler Fornes pointed out the Coach Taylor halftime speech from Friday Night Lights, the series. Um, I haven't watched that. I would also say the halftime speech of any given Sunday, the Game of Inches Al Pacino speech. That movie is objectively bad, but that speech is objectively incredible. I don't agree with you, and let's not get down this rabbit hole. We have other things to talk about today. We do. Uh, the other ones that showed up a lot, one of my favorite names on Twitter, uh, T. Boone Thickens. It's the Avengers endgame scene where everyone's coming through the circles and then Ooh. you have the army getting ready to fight Thanos' army. Yes. And then you have Captain America getting the hammer, Avengers assemble, all of it. I mean, I was almost standing up in the theater, which I very rarely <laughs> react in theater to stuff that's happening there. And yeah. I was freaking the fuck out along with the rest of the theater. Oh, I mean, when the squad showed up, like one circle at a time, like, ooh, oh, they would be with them. Oh, and they come on with them. Oh, did they? That was great. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a great one, too. Remember the Titans? I don't want them to gain another yard when they're going off in the middle of that game, Ooh, yeah. switching everyone's positions around. Um, Nathan Elasser, the Independence Day speech from the president. We will not go quietly into this good night. We'll hey. survive. Hey, that, that's uh, Jeff Goldblum, right? No. Uh, Jeff Goldblum's not the president, but he is in that movie, yes. No, okay, yeah, I'm sorry. It was it was the guy who looks... He's famous for and he's a bunch of stuff. Okay, anyways, not important. But yeah, movies get movies get us going. It's uh, the one other TV scene that I will offer up. Obviously, the brand is strong. Gohan going Super Saiyan two in the Cell Saga on Dragon Ball Z. I will rewatch that legitimately before I have like a big gym day if I want to go and really move some weight. I, I hear you, but it's it's kind of like the I'm on the other side of the person that like kind of listens to Frank Frank Sinatra before war. When Trunks comes back, future Trunks, mm. and and cuts Cell in half. You mean Frieza? And we're like, yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, cut Frieza in half. And it's like, whew, after the saga we just went through with Frieza, that, that was some powerful stuff. Just yeah. diced his ass up. At Gojo Show on Twitter, at Michael <laughs> Jr. on Twitter. If you got any more responses... Honestly, a lot of this is selfish. I'm just going to use this for when I've got a leg day coming up to make sure that I'm in the right headspace. So thank you all Amen. in advance for your service to this great cause. Brandon, let's take a look at some things because we talked about being the first week without the NFL. It didn't take long for the NFL to work its way back into our headlines. So before we get to Trey Smith, we have to talk about Daniel Jones. Mm. Now, the Daniel Jones news is kind of emblematic of what season we're getting ready to enter. Free agency before the draft yes. is a reminder. This is silly season. You are often being told lies. <laughs> and so guard yourself 
every time mm. we have news come out. Because whether it is Daniel Jones, whether it's what we've got going on with Derek Carr right now and his brother putting out information, you've got to understand and try and think about why are people trying to tell me these things. So... With Daniel Jones, a lot of what we saw yesterday in the news cycle was about what Daniel Jones reportedly wanted as far as a contract. According to Pro Football Talk, Daniel Jones, according to one source, wants more than the Giants have offered, possibly as much as $45 million per year. Now, I also saw Dove Kleiman tweeting this out, who I'm not really sure what his affiliation is. I've never really understood if he's a reputable source. So again, guard yourself. Mm -hmm. But... We all heard that number, Brandon, and I think most of us thought the same thing, right? Daniel Jones isn't a $45 million a year quarterback. Am I wrong there? Is that is that kind of where you were at? Um, I don't know anymore, to be honest with you. Like, I, I have an idea of, I think, Dak's contract, whenever that happened, kind of muddied the waters for me. But when it comes to a starter that you're going to win with, no, Daniel Jones should not be taking up $45 million of anyone's cap space. And that's a great way to think about it for a team that also has Saquon Barkley that they're worried about this offseason and a couple of other contracts that are going to factor into all that. You're worth what someone's willing to pay. But at the same time, I think we all look at that number relative to the very small window where we've seen Daniel Jones produce in a way that looks like, okay, there might be a future here with this coaching staff, with what's gone on this year. Um, and so with that as the backdrop of this, we all saw $45 million a year. And I saw a lot of people, a lot of takes about how that would be a massive overpay. Giants shouldn't do that. Now, Pro Football Talk article also went on to say that the franchise tag looks like a pretty realistic option at this point. So if they went with the non-exclusive tag, it would cost them $32.4 million and it would allow him to try and sign with another team. So that's mm. the thing that you've got to worry about there. But... You know, the tag is going to be an option that pays him in that range. And if they kept going, Brandon, if they played the tag game with him, it would end up with him making $38.89 mil, million in 2024. And then if they managed to do that again the next year, he would make $56 million in 2025. So all told, that would be $127.3 million over three years and average about $42 million a year. That's the Kirk Cousins model, right? The multi-tag yeah. thing, continue to bet on yourself on and on down the road. Which again, the tag is a tool that we're probably going to see a bunch of teams use. That's probably in Lamar Jackson's future in Baltimore as they get ready to play that game. My whole thought process when I heard this, Brandon, was the news we saw the other day about him switching agencies seemed especially relevant in this moment, right? Daniel yes. Jones said the other, or it was reported the other day by ESPN that Daniel Jones is in the process of making an agent change with his new contract and free agency on the horizon. Multiple sources told ESPN on Sunday, he's been repped by CAA since being the sixth overall pick in 2019. The expectation according to sources is that he's going to join athletes first in search of a long-term deal. This could open up a lot of avenues, but my immediate thought process was Brandon, how does every good negotiation start? By putting out a really big number that most people will look at okay. and say, oh, maybe we're not going to pay that. And then all True. of a sudden, as you get ready and get going in the negotiations, it makes the numbers that we talked about for Daniel Jones sound a little bit more realistic, right? In that $35 million <laughs> to $40 million a year range, something like that. Like we always said, I think at the end of the NFL season when they had just won in the wild card round, that in the three-year, you know, three or four-year 
right around $120 million range with the way you structure guarantees being important was probably something that he was going to be aligned for. It's not the $50 million-ish dollar payday that a guy like Jalen Hurts is going to be in line for. But again, different trajectories, different outputs on the team. Right. Jalen Hurts finishes the runner-up for the MVP. There's a different weight class in all of these things. And so this, to me, just sounded like the beginning of negotiation to have this kind of information out there publicly. Yeah, I think it's a good way to start this negotiation. Like, the Giants went to the playoffs for the first time in a very, very long time. You say what you want about how they got there, defense, Saquon. Daniel Jones was the quarterback, and he had a lot of yardage uh, through the air and on the ground and took a lot of punishment, and he should be calling his, his shot right at this point. But the fact that he doesn't have an agent reminds me of my dumbass when I was going into negotiations with companies without an agent and i played the game mike i was like um well i think i'm i'm worth this number and that number is more than i had made in any other company ever but it lets the people i'm talking to know that okay this person is is doing the game right Let, let's let's come to a more a realistic medium and start playing around there where i think that's where dan jones is going to live like you said the franchise tag is exactly what his caliber of talent deserves. And it could be understandable for the Giants to say, hey, we want to see you do it one more year before we're really going to lock this up long-term. But we always see guys like security of multi-year deals, guys like the security of guaranteed money. And it would be totally understandable if you're Daniel Jones and you ask for the sun and the moon, because why not? Quarterbacks in this league, we see people pay, ask tons of money for them all the time. What's the worst they can tell you is no, and then you operate from there. And so the franchise tag is just buying you more time to work out the deal. And I think at the end of the day, I could see these guys coming to, and I've always said this is the comp, a Blake Bortles-like deal that we saw in Jacksonville uh. years ago when he finished that one season with a flurry. They made a decent postseason run, and he signed a three-year deal that was pretty manageable and seemed in, within line of what everyone kind of expected there. It hadn't been perfect production-wise, but he had peaked at the right time, and we all right. wanted to see this through because we felt like this could be going somewhere. Continuity for a team that just got to the playoffs last year right. and feels like they're building something with Brian Dable could be worth that for all parties involved. Do you think that Daniel Jones is a Super Bowl-winning caliber quarterback? Like, the whole concept of, like, can you envision this person with, with uh, like surrounded by confetti? Like is because I do think that he did get better year over year in a way that no one wanted him to get better. I feel like probably would imagine that he needs to just be more of a pocket passer than more of a uh, Daniel Field, uh, Daniel Fields, Justin Fields type of player. But like, do you see him leading the Giants or any franchise to to the promised land? I have a uh, easier time imagining it than I did, but it still feels a little bit of a ways off, right? And part of that is also, listen, that was not a team that had a ton around him. And for all the quarterbacks that we've talked about making big leaps, Jalen Hurts included, it's because they've been around long enough for the franchise to put some other things in place. And that's what this offseason feels like it has the potential to be for the New right. York Giants. This is their time to go out there and stock the cupboard, right? The Kenny Galladay signing is looking like one that they are going to regret and have to do something about. 
Kadarius Tony was a guy they ended up letting go. A lot of the different choices that they made around there ended with a group of receivers that weren't the guys they started with last year. And so making sure that's taken care of, locking down Andrew Thomas at left tackle, continuing to develop the rest of that line after you drafted on the other side early in the first round or uh, in the first round last year. All of those things could get to that point. Right now, I don't see Daniel Jones as a Super Bowl winning quarterback, but we've seen more and more of these organizations, and Jalen Hurts is the most recent example, giving these guys the chance to do so. And seeing improvement the way that we've seen all of a sudden makes it more possible to imagine that, even if I wouldn't be willing to bet my career on it right now. Yeah, I just, I'm, I've seen too many times the quarterback come back and look a lot better than they did last year. And, Daniel Jones seems like a guy that's making strides. That division is nuts. Obviously, we know Jalen Hurts and the Eagles are going to be at the top for the majority of the time, but I don't know. I Him demanding money after what we've seen from him makes sense. Like, I can't help but to think, and obviously, obviously this, this shouldn't be compared or comparable, but think about Josh Allen's second year versus his third year. Right. When your stock is high, you ask for what – you ask for everything. You all like that's negotiating 101 for anybody is you go in and ask for the most humanly possible and then we'll work on it from there. I don't think Daniel Jones is going to end up being a $45 million a year quarterback, but I think asking is probably smart business and framing it this way so that whatever number you end up with feels a lot more palatable probably benefits all parties involved. So it's just kind of a reminder that right now as we hear all this stuff, I don't think Daniel Jones is in there pounding on the table saying, give me $45 million. The same way we talked and mentioned Derek Carr's name as I saw headlines from his brother apparently coming out and saying that, you know, Derek Carr is planning on a long free agency upcoming here and that he wants to do his due diligence and really see what the best fit for him is going to be. As many people have pointed out, that sounds like a guy who knows that he's going to have to wait to see what Aaron Rodgers does. Like, he is Ooh. not going to be the first choice of some of the teams that I would imagine are his first choice. And that depends. I heard, you know, Michael Lombardi and the guys in the GM shuffle talking about this. It's all about what you're willing to spend as a team and what you want to put resources-wise into that. But there's also the reality that there are certain quarterbacks that can instantly change your franchise. If you're the Jets and you get Aaron Rodgers for all the things that we've talked about with him personally off the field, he immediately makes that team a contender in that division with everything else, especially on defense that they've built up on that roster. And so if you're them, yeah, you'd probably be smart if it's fiscally possible for you to wait out and see what Aaron Rodgers wants to do on the other side of this darkness retreat because he changes your team in a way that Derek Carr, as good as he is, just does not in the same breath. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Mike. I, When I heard that news from David Carr, I thought it was a smokescreen talking about looking for things that aren't true, like look for the David Blaine and, and everything that you're reading right now. I thought Derek Carr was going to end up with the Houston Texans. That's just, you know, it's family business. David was there. They, they need a, a steady quarterback over there. Uh, it's one of those franchises that isn't looking to actually make it to the playoffs as much as they're trying to just be relevant and get some good inertia and, and you know, win some games that they were supposed to lose. So I feel like Derek Carr is the perfect quarterback for that. But you're right. They need to – he has to wait for Aaron Rodgers because a team is always going to swing for the fences before they, you know, but not that – Derek Carr's a butt, but 
<laughs> a bunt, excuse me. No, but you know what? Like, he's a sensible choice, right? It's going out and buying a Ferrari versus buying a nice family car that's got room for everything that you need there and plenty of cup holders. It's a sensible choice. <laughs> and for the right price, which... We know Derek Carr coming off of rejecting the idea that he was going to be traded for anything and looking at it like it's spiting the Raiders that he was just leaving. Probably not going to get paid $40 million at his next stop. No. You know, and and maybe I'm wrong on that because we know the going rate for a quarterback is going up and up and up in this league, but it just feels like the way that David came out and made these comments was trying to make sure his brother was painted in the best light light possible. Derek had a great trip with the Jets, adding he really hit it off with Robert Sala, and he said, quote, he went there to get a feel for how they work from the top down. Um, And, you know, talks about taking all these trips, trying to make it seem like, oh, there's a lot of interest in Derek Carr. And so uh, if you're not a team that's going here and taking this seriously right now, you probably should because, hey, we got other people calling on this. So again, considering the source and considering the time we're at, it just seems like the perfect way to phrase this if you're trying to make sure there's plenty of interest in your brother. I know you didn't really mention this team, but I heard, I heard rumors that the commanders – May try to trade for Lamar Jackson, and it just makes me sick to my stomach. Oh man, that's that's I mean, that I, that's a landing spot actually for Derek Carr. Like there's there's places out there for Derek Carr that have no chance of getting Aaron Rodgers. That's why I don't, I don't think that he should necessarily be waiting on him. Well, and we've seen New Orleans. Uh, the visit that he took with them before he was released by Vegas. We talked about the Carolina Panthers on this podcast the other day. Uh, when we were joined, uh, when we were joined uh, by Charles McDonald as potentially a place where could he go be a bridge to a young guy that you try and draft mm-hmm. this year? Could he be a guy that maybe is a three-year answer, and if it goes well, turns into a longer answer? There's going to be options, but great reminder from you: Lamar Jackson's going to be a part of this equation. Aaron Rodgers is going to be a part of this equation. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a part of this equation. So there's going to be a quarterback at every price point that you could possibly want at every ability point and trajectory point in their career, right? Lamar Jackson, young, with an MVP under his belt, incredibly unique talent. Aaron Rodgers, two recent MVPs, but we we know, not as much of a long-term play for whoever is mm-hmm. going to come there. Derek Carr's got more tread on the tires. Jimmy G seems like a very clear gap player, a steady guy that's going to get you to where you're going. So every flavor of ice cream is on the board for this offseason. And just as you go and hear the news coming up right now with all these, remember to consider the source. Remember that we've got a long time, or at least it feels like a long time, so the new league year starts on March 7th, and that you're probably not being told the truth at any given juncture. Um, What I can tell you is we're going to take a break, and when we come back, you are going to be told the truth about what it's like to win a Super Bowl by Trey Smith, Kansas City Chiefs offensive guard. Next. I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. 
Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. All right, excited to make this podcast even beefier and welcome in Super Bowl champion offensive guard Trey Smith. Uh, how does that intro sound now? Can you get used to that? Uh, it's so it's unreal, man. Just hearing that is crazy. <laughs> it's wild. Have you uh, have you recovered from the parade already? I think we're getting as we're recording this a couple of days post parade. So how are we feeling? Yeah, I'm getting better, man. Uh, my voice is still going out a little bit, so you gotta forgive me for that. But now I'm slowly coming back to normal. It had to be a a good time. I feel like the zero sack shirts that we saw you and Creed Humphrey wearing in honor of your guys' zero sack performance in the Super Bowl, those got to be going on sale soon, right? Yeah, you were in the works on that. Uh, It was really Orlando's idea. He had a great tweet at the end of the game, put it on a T-shirt, so it ended up coming out. But, I mean, it was awesome to wear those. And and I feel like coming off of that game – which first off, one of the best Super Bowls we've seen in some time came right down to the wire. Like as a fan and a person covering it, we couldn't have asked for more. But for you guys up front, we heard it from Creed. We heard it a, a lot. I, I don't know if I've heard an O-line kind of collectively talk their shit like this after a game, after that performance. So how, you know, we heard it from Travis Kelsey after the game and before. How much of that disrespect, quote unquote, were you guys actually feeling coming into this game? Yeah, you know, we, we don't really focus just on media, like narratives and stuff of that nature at often, really at all. Uh, being the Super Bowl, the ultimate, um, you're sort of in a bubble. You know, and I remember we had our first media night uh, at the Sun Stadium, and it was constant, you know, what are you guys going to do against this pass rush, this historic defensive line, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, at the end of the day, in NFL, everyone is good. Everyone's good, you know, they're elite talent everywhere. So for us, you know, in a way, it was sort of disrespectful because at the end of the day, what about us, our performance throughout the year as well? So we knew we had a tremendous challenge. Uh, you know, hats off to that organization. Tremendous team. I mean, tremendous fight throughout the whole game. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, we did feel a little bit disrespected in terms of we just kept hearing about them, but not much about ourselves. And what you guys have done is pretty amazing. I mean, before the 2021 season, essentially your entire offensive line came together in one offseason in one way or another through the draft, through free agency, through trade. How have you guys been able to gel so quickly and become one of the best lines in the league, especially with how many young players, including yourself, you guys have there? Yeah, I think it starts from the top bottom. First off, uh, hats off to our uh, front office, you know, Brett Veach being able to find the players and the talent to come in here and get it done. Uh, and then it's a testament to the coaching job. Andy Heck, Corey Matei, and offensive staff has done, you know, to make sure we play on a high level and get our technique and different things that it teaches. us. But ultimately, you know, it did take time for us to gel. Um, you know, last season we had our ups and downs. And then now, you know, bringing it all together, uh, you know, it's really a bond. It's a brotherhood, you know. I love each and every one of my guys in the O-line room. I mean, we got so close. We know our tendencies, habits, you know, eating habits as well. So it's been a, it's been a great process coming together. What are the eating habits here? Like, take me through this offensive line room and how each guy gets down at the dinner table. What do we got here? 
Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm gonna catch the most flack if you ask anybody else. I'm, I'm sort of a machine. Um, <laughs> wings are the go-to. I'll put down wings like nothing, man. Um, we, we have we just have some 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 heavy eaters in old line. Every old line room has some heavy eaters, but we definitely got some in ours. Is 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 Creed one of the heaviest eaters? Just looking at him, he looks like such a good old boy. I feel like he's got to be able to put in work. Yeah, Creed's an absolute unit. One <laughs> 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 is uh, Allegretti, Nick Allegretti. He's underrated on that. Yeah. Allegretti, didn't he catch a touchdown to him? Am I mistaken on that one? Okay. Yeah, he got one last year. Yep. See, that was what I kept hoping for in the Super Bowl with you guys because one of the things that with your guys' line and the Eagles' line that I kept saying to people was you've had both of these units together on the field all season long. And so to have that kind of continuity gives you time to get in the coach's ear and actually try and ask about the, weren't you guys fishing for a ball in the Super Bowl? Were you trying to convince Andy or Eric that you needed to throw one of these big boy touchdowns? Uh, no, we don't. Have, that's one of the really cool things about this staff. We don't have to ask. Uh, you know, when your time comes, they'll draw you up one. Uh, but, I mean, it, it's awesome playing for this offense. Um, it's an absolute blast every time. And, you know, when you get a big man touchdown like Nick did last year, there's no better feeling than that, man. Everybody eats. The whole room scores with him. Um, mentioning that continuity, explain for some people, for the people that have never played offensive line, how much that helps your guys' unit to be able to go through most an entire season with the same five guys in that starting lineup and to build up those reps together. Yeah, just the life of an offensive lineman. I mean, a lot of times we aren't the best athletes on the field, but we're protecting one of the best athletes and having to go against the best athletes on the field as well. So, you know, there's a, a level of trust, you know, especially in pass game, run game. When you know the guy next to you, you can trust him, you know, his tendencies, you know how certain blocks feel and come together. It makes it that much easier. And when you have continuity like we have that's really special uh, and bond, you know, guys really love each other, it makes it that much easier. You know, I can trust Wiley to pass off a game or, you know, if it's a B block, we got to move somebody upfield. I know he's going to be there. I know he's going to bring it a single with Creed. I know what we're getting. And the phenomenal job that the left side's done this year as well, it's just when you have that sense of togetherness, that sense of brotherhood, it makes your job that much easier when you can trust the man next to you. It's, it's huge. And like you said, just knowing where a guy's going to be where – inches matter in this game is incredible I had to imagine you guys were pretty excited because one of the biggest things I noticed for the Chiefs this year for your guys team was just that sort of extra commitment to the run game it seemed like you guys got under center more there were more multi-tight end sets they were letting you guys get downhill we hear so much talk in modern NFL discourse about the role of the run game and running backs and stuff. How much does that do for you guys as an offensive line to get those opportunities to actually go downhill instead of dropping back into protection all the time? Yeah, man, it's, it's crucial. It's key. Uh, you know, you talk about how well uh, NFL pass rushers are nowadays. And when you have the run game going, it, it presents a different curveball at them. You know, they have to prepare for something different. It also slows them down, you know, I'm a high advocate for body blows. You know, as many shots you can get on a guy, slow them down. You know, it will stop the rush from being as potent. So, you know, anytime, especially as an offensive line, that you can physically impose your will, move the man against his will from point A to point B, you know, that's going to make yourself a lot better. You know, your confidence is going to go up. You're going to keep balling. Uh, man, I, I I wish people would understand that moving from point A to point B against his will. What a deep cut O-line student of the game. It is not surprising that you have worked with Duke or been around Andy as much as long as you have now here, here in that pop up. It, it's 
it's incredible. And it's a reminder also of kind of your role in this offensive line. Like, pardon my French, you're a bad motherfucker out there. Like, if you're watching the Chiefs offensive line, chances are you have watched Trey at some point downfield dump trucking somebody and really delighting in that extra oomph. Where did that come from? Was that taught? Was that always who you've been as a player? How did you kind of find yourself in that role of enforcer? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'll probably take it all the way back down to high school football. I had a, uh, a coach named Mickey Marley, who's my head coach. And when I was younger, obviously, I was a lot bigger than a lot of people, strong, fast, athletic. But I was nice on the field, man. I would give people up, you know, not really trying to knock people out. That was really me. And uh, eventually, he sat me down. I was like, hey, son, you know, we're out here practicing. These are your friends. These are your guys. But when you get on that field, you have a killer mentality. No one's your friend. You take it off nobody. So, Going on from then, man, I was just like trying to get into colleges, trying to get recruited. It's like, what what sort of signifies a great old lineman? So I was watching a lot of guys, like five star guys and different dudes in the NFL. And like one thing I noticed was finishing, finishing as violently as you can. So for me, it's just like, man, I relish in the fact that I can put someone on their neck ten yards down the field or molly whop somebody coming down a trap. Like that's what I live for, you know, being able to physically just you know, assaulted guy, basically. So it's definitely a ton of fun uh, when you have that feeling. You get a dominating block or, you know, you get a pancake block, you're rolling, or you drive someone on their pack right in front of your sideline. That's like one of the best feelings of football. It doesn't get better now. Uh, I'm getting fired up just listening to you talk about it right now. Jesus, I haven't hit anybody in so long, but it's uh, it's true. It's 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 legal assault in that moment. Was there a player in particular that you saw that you were like, yes, that's exactly what I want to be, whether it was an NFL guy, a college guy. Obviously, you're a proud Tennessee alum, so I don't know if there's a vol that sticks out there, but was there one guy where you're like, that's how I want to go out there and body people? Man, there's just so many. Um one, one thing I used to love to do in high school, uh, just going to camps, I would watch a ton of Brandon Thorne clips. And, you know, I love watching uh, Lyle Collins his first couple years, Zach Martin. Obviously, you talk about the all-time greats, a guy like Larry Allen playing the guard position the way he did, absolutely uh, shot-putting people, you know, to the crown. Uh, <laughs> there's so many old linemen that are just – that's nasty. You know what I mean? I know – I used to love watching like Mike Webster go, you know, old school highlights, you know, just seeing some of the greats do it. But for me, man, anytime I see an old lineman, it doesn't matter to just dog somebody, finish somebody, you know, not only put them on the ground, but goring them on the ground too. You know, I love watching that, man. It gets me going. I, I think I saw an interview you did a while back where it said, every time I step on the field, they're going to know exactly who I am. So I'd say so far through the first couple of seasons, mission accomplished on that one. Yep. Uh, now for you, you mentioned having to drop back, protect, you know, against all these great pass rushers, but for you in particular, you've got a really interesting guy back there. 15 has turned into the best quarterback in the NFL and already was, I know you, I heard uh, when you were on good morning football, you got to go with Tennessee and actually be a part of working the Super Bowl down in Miami that Mahomes and this Chiefs team won against San Francisco. You fast forward now, so you came into this organization knowing Patrick Mahomes was already an ascendant talent. What's it like blocking for a guy with his particular abilities here? Is there things that help you as an offensive lineman or the things that make it more difficult? What is that experience blocking for 15 and red? Yeah, I mean, it's been great. Uh, I put it like this. Anytime 15 is back there, you have a chance to win. You know, it doesn't really matter circumstance, so that's, that's always amazing. Uh, in terms of just uh, playing with Pat, I mean, it's great. His communication is great. Vocal leader. Um, he's a consistent leader in everything he does. You know, he leads. 
you know, on the field, it's great to have him be mobile. You know, sometimes uh, he's able to evade. Uh, one thing that I had to learn early on, especially, was, you know, being an ultimate playmaker he is, he's going to extend the play. So it's not a simple, okay, egg time in your head, you're done with the rep. No, you got to just keep going, keep going. He's going to make something happen. But it's honestly amazing to be able to uh, play in front and protect someone of that caliber. Has, did it change much for you guys? Everyone made such a big deal, and I'm not asking for any state secrets, but as far as the way you had to go about it once that ankle injury popped up in the postseason and that became a part of it, did it change any of your process? Did it change any of the way that you guys went about it offensively with Pat? It seemed like he was trying to basically just bulldog through it like it wasn't a problem, but it, it's still at some point I'm sure there had to be some differences maybe. Yeah, no, Pat's a tough dude being able to push through that injury. Um the first thing, you know, you know, you see him go down. You obviously don't want to see that. It's like a nightmare. Uh, for us, you know, as O-line, I know I can speak for myself especially. It's just like whenever that happened, it's almost like a heightened sense of uh, importance for the moments. You know, anytime he needs to step back, drop back, he doesn't get touched, you know. We want to make sure he can do his job effectively and keep him safe. So for me, it was more so a sense of urgency and pass pro, like nothing gets by. That's always my mentality. But, you know, when he was hurt like that, you know, even better, you know, even firmer pockets, even more width on the pocket. Like, we need to make sure he's clean and he can do his job effectively because he needs us. Because I know at the end of the day, he pushed through for us. I'm going to push for him. No, it was incredible from all parties involved. A ton of toughness. It ends with you guys lifting that Lombardi trophy. I mean, it really looked like it wasn't bothering him or you guys one bit in that game. The only other thing I wanted to ask about the game was the grass. We've heard so much about it. What was your experience with that? How much of that did you actually see and feel out there on the field everyone was talking about? Yeah, I got to say this. The field was absolutely beautiful. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) that was awesome to play uh, just there in general. Um, Had a couple moments just slipping on the grass. um, But, you know, man, it's just ball. I understand the league just put a lot of money invested in to make sure it was a good playing surface. Um, I've slipped on a lot of fields, so I'm not just saying, you know, it's just this field in entirety, but uh, just had a couple moments just slipping out there, but was able to push through it, you know? Definitely. No, I I heard – I figured that was going to be the answer. I heard Jason Kelsey kind of give a similar answer. Like, oh, linemen aren't wired to go and complain about those things all that much. It's just, oh. what do I got to do? Let me put my hand in the dirt and go hit somebody. Yep. <laughs> now – you go through all that, you get to this mountaintop, and for you, the journey's been incredible to watch. You dealt with the blood clotting issues when you were at Tennessee, affects your draft status coming into this league. You've gone through so much. I know personally losing your mother. What were the emotions like when that final whistle sounded and you were finally a Super Bowl champion? Uh, it's, it's weird to put into words. Sort of the best word is just disbelief. Um you know, being able to go through the different things I've gone through in my life and then, you know, being able to say I'm a Super Bowl champion and understand, okay, you know, the clock's zero, dude. Like, you really just want it. Um, it, it was very surreal. I think uh, the moment hasn't fully hit me. I mean, it has. You know, obviously I've been able to take it in. But, you know, just thinking about it, man, you know, I was able to hug my dad, my sister coming off the field and spend that moment with them, you know, just because – all the years, you know, that they've invested in my life, things they've done for me, and we can stand together as champions, you know, that meant the world to me. And just super blessed and thankful for the moment, man. Just still taking it in. Just, I'm still really just taking it in. I'm still in disbelief a little bit. 
Uh, no, understandable, man. It's a lot happening all at once. I'm sure it's been a whirlwind for you since and, and will continue to be. You guys now also get the task of going out here and maintaining this standard. All you've known is yep. AFC championships and this Super Bowl win now. And so uh, I, that'll be the next part about this is everyone loves to talk Super Bowl hangovers. But for you guys with the roster that you've gotten, the young team that you have, I, I, I feel like you're so set up to overcome this, especially because since Pat's been on that team, it's just been AFC championships. There's not really anybody on that roster that knows different at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you just said, you said it perfectly. I mean, really, there's a bigger target on our backs now. Uh, but, you know, we embrace the challenge. And ultimately, uh, the beautiful thing about football is you put that ball down. That's what matters. So got to go back to work, you know, at the end of the day, celebrate what I can. But, you know, still having to the wherewithal to understand there's a whole nother season. There's a whole nother challenge coming up. There's still a whole lot more work to be done. So I, I do want to get to this because obviously pumped about everything that's happened. Congratulations. It, it's super exciting to watch what you've made as someone that got to watch you in college and cover you guys there to see what you've made for yourself in the NFL and being a champion has been incredible. But the first time I ever had any interaction with you was in a completely different field. I got a DM about anime recommendations <laughs> from you back in like 2021. And yeah. I was floored because I'm always amazed at what I feel like is the amount of young NFL guys that dip into the anime world. So talk to me about that. When did you get into anime? How long has this been a thing for you? I, I knew this was coming up. And I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's see. It might have been 20, probably 2019, uh, just hanging out with some guys from high school. And I want, it might have been Wanye Morris. Uh, he was a young oh, yeah. And yeah, my, my a little bro. Um, he was just telling me about Naruto. And Naruto was something I watched on like Adult Swim late at night. But obviously, you know, back before the time of streaming, um, you would watch an episode and maybe you missed the other night or the next weekend. And, it's a whole completely different thing. So as a kid, I wasn't able to really like follow it up, but I, I found it really entertaining and fascinating. So, you know, fast forward to college, have my own money now a little bit. I'm like, you know what? Let me get a subscription. Let me try to watch anime. So I started out with Naruto, loved it, finished it all. Then I worked my way to like Hunter x Hunter. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Blue Exorcist, all, all different types of just animes, just working my way through it. And then it sort of culminated where I am now. Now, I'll be honest with you. I've been slacking for this season. I haven't watched anime in a minute. But uh, I think the last one I watched was Attack on Titan. But, Oof. you know, just finding out, man, it was interesting. Once you start watching anime, you start understanding these weird references you see on, like, Twitter. And you're able to, like, really make more uh, relationships and have different talking points with different people. So it was really cool. It, it is. I think that's the amazing part of it for me is you do get to kind of speak a different language for some <laughs> with, with everyone there. There is a lot of meme and gift culture associated with it, but you're right in that. It, what like what was the appeal to you overall for it? Like I've got ideas. Like so for me, the first anime I ever got into was Dragon Ball Z. Like I'm a fair amount older than you, so that was the one that was on late night for me. I think yeah. it was it was Toonami back then on Comedy Central that was showing it. But that one, like especially for guys that are into sports, it's blonde guys doing space karate and heavy training montages. Like it's good guys in bag. It's all that fun stuff. What appealed it to you about it? I think that factor, man, it's just so, it's out there. Like, anime has no boundaries, you know. Anything can happen. The creativity is unlimited. And for me, I love the fighting scenes and stuff. Like, Naruto, the storyline goes deep, man. Like, 
the fights involved. You get to watch him grow. You see his journey. It's just different. You know what I mean? And you can sit down, like we talked about, speaking another language. I've had countless debates, hours of debates. Okay, who's going to win in this fight? You know, so just talking about the moments, man, it's just cool to watch them all come together. And it's usually really well written and told. Yeah, they're incredible stories, especially you mentioned Attack on Titan, which is the one that uh, one of the ones you recommended to me that was an absolute banger has become probably my favorite anime I've ever watched. So I owe you for that one. You mentioned those conversations. Are there other guys in the Chiefs locker room? Like I know Juju's always kind of been on this scene. Is there anyone else that people wouldn't guess as an anime guy? Uh, maybe a Lucas Niang, uh, Darian Kennard, those type guys. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of anybody else that's like a, a crazy one. Well, I mean, no, I, th- I feel like some people would be surprised that you are. Like, I think a lot of people don't always expect these big hulking football players to be into this kind of stuff. So I imagine you catch some people off guard. Yeah, sometimes I do. I don't think people realize how much of a nerd I really am at times. But <laughs> hey, man, there's no shame in my game, man. I love it. No, it's incredible. I do have to ask because I just saw this pop up the other day when I was getting ready to talk to you. The anime awards are coming up in Japan on March 4th and Ooh. Juju Smith-Schuster, your teammate, is a presenter as is Lions rookie DN Aiden Hutchinson. So hey. I like on behalf of you, like, it, do we need to go and try and petition to get you over there now? Because having your teammate there and then I did not know Aiden was one of the initiated here. This feels like a place that we need to get you. It, it would be dope, but I would say just due to my lack and my slacking as of late, man, I probably don't deserve it. And I, you made me uh, think about another teammate who's huge into it, uh, uh, rookie George Karloftis. Huge Naruto, huge anime guy. He's actually watching One Piece. So I was thinking about that. We need to get George down there. You got Aiden down there. We need to get George down there. All right, there we go. Super Bowl defensive end representation amongst rookies. George Karloftis, get him to Japan for the anime uh, awards presentation there. So do you have one that you're going to go to? Because I was the same way you were. I hardly watch anything during the season outside of football and what we've got to do. And then once I get to the offseason, it's time to turn it back on. Do you got one you've been looking forward to? Are you looking for recommendations? What's going on? Yeah, Demon Slayer is uh, one that I need to get into. I saw the first season. I haven't seen the movie or the second. Uh, let's see. There was another one. I was thinking about hitting One Piece, but mm. that is just an absolute journey. George has been talking to me about that. Uh, but that's a that's pretty lengthy. You know, that's a full commitment deal. That's a it is it's a it's a big bite of the apple right there. So uh, Demon Slayer, I can recommend wholeheartedly as someone who's yeah. finished the entire thing. You will love it. The movie in the entertainment district that comes up in that next season is incredible. And if you haven't done Chainsaw Man on Hulu, more Chainsaw. than worth your time. It's just through one season right now. It's incredibly well animated, and it's at the end of the day a story about a guy with a demon chainsaw dog inside his heart. What's better than that? <laughs> I gotta check that out. It's awesome, man. Well, I know you're going to have a busy offseason coming up, so we'll let you get to it. Trey, we appreciate the time. I am going to put in my order right now for one of those zero sack shirts and make sure I get on the early entry list here. So let me know when they're coming out, and I'll send the money where I need to. Will do, man. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Thanks, Trey. Sound the trumpets. It's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. 
Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. Brandon. Yes. Do you know what time it is? I do, Mike. <sighs> Mike, life's like this, you know what I mean? And it's just, just the way it is. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Are you ready? Chill out, what you yelling for? Lay back, it's all been done before. And if you only let it be, then you will see. I like you the way you are when we're driving in your car and you're talking to me one on one. But you've become somebody else around everyone else. You're watching your back like you can't relax. You're trying to be cool. You look like a fool to me. Tell me, why'd you have to go and make things so complicated? I see the way you're acting like somebody else gets me frustrated. And life's like this, you. And you fall, and you cry, and you break, and you take what you get, and you turn it into. Honestly, you promised me you're never gonna find you this day. The sixth grader in me is bursting out of my chest like the movie Alien right now. Oh, Avril, Avril. was a time. Oh, the subject of some of the weirdest theories the internet ever had to offer. Yeah, and also, um, I don't know what... It, I look back at the videos and I'm thankful that she was like around and doing her thing because like she had to been like so different from like what was the norm on MTV at the time and then Skater Boy complicated. See you later. Let's go. Wasn't good enough for her. (laughs) She was a talent. She was a talent. She was man. She was a time and a place. That's that's one that'll immediately bring you back to where you were. Avril Lavigne was a moment. Uh, oh my gosh! Actually, in that music video, I'm pretty sure they rate them all just to make everything full circle. <laughs> <laughs> if that made you feel like rating them all, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five star rating and a review, and tell Brandon uh, why he had to go and make things so complicated. Brandon, <laughs> let's get to this, that, and the third. Three quick stories to finish off the day, and let's start with this. 
Russell Westbrook, after completing a contract buyout with the Utah Jazz, buying out the remaining $47 million on his expiring deal, it's been reported to ESPN uh, to his by his agent Jeff Schwartz of Excel Sports to ESPN that he plans to sign with the Los Angeles Clippers. Brandon, how do you feel about Russ just going over to the other locker room in the building? <laughs> I remember when Zubak or was it <laughs> like this is this feels like a, a thing that's happened before. I would say it like this, like because you get to L.A. You, you love it at the Lakers. You realize it's not a really good, strong, like, sturdy franchise. And you're like, I want to stay here, though. Who would pick me up? The Clippers. The Clippers. Now, specifically, with Ty Lu saying that under a role where they focus on Westbrook's playmaking ability, rebounding, and toughness, I think that's important to point out, Mike, because uh, – he proved a little bit of what he's still capable to do and why he was been an MVP in the past, but he's not he's not going to be the feature of anyone's championship team. He can be a rondo on a on a bubble team, and I think that's exactly what the Clippers are trying to do. Well, I mean, the Clippers are in fourth place in the Western Conference right now. This is a huge come up for Russ, to be honest. Like the Lakers are still sitting down in 13th place at this point. Russ is on a team that's a postseason contender right now. And I saw, to your point about toughness, Stephen A. Smith brought this up on first take yesterday that he's going to have opportunities to impact this team because Kawhi Leonard, Paul George are guys that we've seen miss plenty of time due to injury before. And so it's a great win for Russ because we know his affinity for Los Angeles. He doesn't have to move any of his stuff, and he instantly gets vaulted to the team in Los Angeles that's actually a playoff contender right now. So kind of happy to see for a guy that has endured a lot of slander and who knows how much of that is self-made based on how he conducted himself as a part of that team. There are different reports about what he was like in that locker room, but for a guy who has had a weird fall from grace as far as his basketball, his role in the basketball zeitgeist in the last couple of years, this is a pretty big come-up. It's it's a come-up for Russ, but I think it's a a bigger come-up for the Clippers because they don't have any edge. They don't have any bark. They don't have any bite. They don't even look vocal leadership. The last time they had vocal leadership was Montrez Harrell and freaking uh, Pat Beverly. So I do think that they have some teeth to them with Russell Westbrook on the roster. Uh, I can't imagine Kawhi, you know, being vocal and, and uh, berating West, uh, Russell Westbrook at any point in time. But, Mike, I will say this. You talk about the Lakers and how he fit into that locker room. There was a clip of them in the locker room where the Lakers were on a streak and they were trying to be tough and fighting hard. And I think LeBron James like stood up and said, like after Darvin Ham spoke, he said, hey, keep your foot on everybody's necks. Like keep coming at it. Like keep your foot on your necks. And then he tried to break down the team. And then Russell Westbrook stood his ass up and said, hey, y'all keep having fun. Like everyone keep having fun. I was like, okay, he's getting traded. (laughs) This is not going to last. Nope, we all got a boss, and we all got to keep that boss happy, and I don't know if Russ realized that his friend, the guy who brought him over there in LeBron James, was actually his boss that entire time. So remember to keep the main thing the main thing. Uh, Brandon, the NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Let's get to that. Justin Fields, been talked about a lot recently here, went on Pardon My Take uh, during Super Bowl week and said the weather in Chicago makes his job much more difficult and he'd rather play indoors. He told NBCChicago.com, yes, it's very difficult to adjust to, especially the wind. That's what I found out. That's what it's all about is the wind. It can be cold. It can be 10 degrees, but with no wind, you're fine. With 15 mile an hour wind, 20 mile an hour wind, you can't fight it. It's tough. And when it's that cold, you got to bundle up. I feel way slower in the cold. It's hard to stay warm in that weather. I hope we get a dome. I don't care if we're at Soldier Field. I don't care if we're Mm. at Arlington Heights. I hope Mm. we get a dome. Talk that talk. (laughs) My man. A warm king. I don't like it at all, Mike. I don't know if Bears fans have to choose a franchise quarterback or their natural weather climate. I, I don't know what they choose. If I had to, I don't know what I would choose. Brandon, I can tell you what Bears fans would choose. They would choose a fucking quarterback. (laughs) They have been wandering around the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, begging for a little hit. Yes, a frozen tundra of Soldier Field, (laughs) begging for a little morsel like they got last year. Hey, what, what is up with these millennials? Like, he may even be Gen Z. Like, I, I I don't I don't know if I feel like he needs protection or like a witness protection program for saying this. This feels like a little too bold. You know what? I think he sees the writing on the wall, right? The Arlington Heights thing seems like it's chugging along. We saw yeah. Chicago, like the mayor of Chicago, wasn't it, that put out that video that HGTV reimagined Soldier Field with a top on it? He knows where this is going. It's not something that he is being the first person to utter. Now, he might be the most important person on the team who could have said something like that, but he's not the first person to bring up that idea. So I think he understands he's got safe harbor. We've talked about using your influence. He's in a pretty advantageous spot right now. It is weird that it comes at the same time that we keep hearing this ridiculous notion that, again, smokescreen season, I think is just draft trade bait for the Bears want to see if they can drive up the price of someone wanting to come and get that by having all this stuff out there about should they trade Justin Fields for picks, draft a quarterback with that number one overall pick, and reset the clock from there. I think it's absurd. I do not think that's something advisable given the kind of talent that you got that already started to show some returns under the new regime last year. And so I think trading back would be advisable. I think getting more picks and building up the rest of that roster would be a smart thing to do. 
I don't think taking another risk at quarterback with a class that's going to be really variable. Like I'm excited to get into draft season because this quarterback class is going to be nuts to try and evaluate and to try and willingly throw your hat back in that ring when you found a guy that is big, strong, fast, and seems to be going places I think would be insane. I don't think they need to worry about that. Kevin Warren is not going to make that big of a splash in his first year of training. I'm not worried about Kevin Warren. I'm worried about Ryan Poles, the new GM, who was not the one who drafted Justin Fields, which is the thing that people point to. But yes, Kevin Warren, definitely a little bit more pragmatic in his approach. So maybe he will be the voice of reason on this. Although again, I'll be like you and put my tinfoil hat on. I just think they're trying to get somebody to pay big to come up to that number one spot. Brandon, let's get to the third. Let's. Let's talk about pigs. North America, Brandon. We got a new crisis. For decades, wild pigs have been antagonizing flora and fauna in the U.S., gobbling up crops, spreading disease, and even killing deer and elk. Now, as fears over the potential of the pig impact in the U.S. grow, North America is facing a new swine-related threat. As a Canadian super pig, a giant, incredibly intelligent, highly elusive beast capable of surviving cold climates by tunneling under the snow is poised to infiltrate the north of the country. The emergence of the so-called super pig, a result of crossbreeding domestic pigs with wild boars, only adds to the problems the U.S. faces from the swine invasion. The pigs are not native to the U.S., but have wrought havoc in recent decades. The government estimates the country's approximately 6 million wild or feral pigs cause $1.5 billion of damage a year. This all according to TheGuardian.com. Brandon, I read this. This... And I immediately think Arkansas is going undefeated next year. <laughs> you are a sicko. You are the president of the sicko college football committee. How do you think about college football in this time? Because every description of this pig, Brandon, this super pig, sounds like it's tailor-made for a football team. Like, listen to this. Incredibly intelligent highly elusive, capable of surviving in cold climates by tunneling under the snow. Brandon, big, smart, fast, and has a ground game that's built for winter football. That sounds like a postseason contender. It's got game that travels. It's what we always hear about defense in a ground game. Yeah, it's so much of a postseason contender that we're going to deal with a post-apocalyptic life where we're this the last of us versus the pigs of us. The pigs of us is a show that I would absolutely watch as a spinoff. <laughs> It goes on. It goes on, Brandon. They're incredibly intelligent. They're highly elusive. And also when there's any pressure on them, especially if people start to hunt them, they become almost completely nocturnal and they become very elusive, hiding in heavy forest cover and disappear into the wetlands where they can be hard. That's pocket presence, Brandon. They thrive under pressure. Their pressure numbers against opposing defenses are going to be off the charts here. Another feather in their cap going into 2023. Mike. Let me just read this to you that's in this article. The number of pigs in the U.S. has since grown to more than 6 million in 34 states. The pigs weigh between 75 pounds and 250 on average, but can weigh twice as large as that, according to the USDA. At three feet tall and five foot long, they are a considerable foe. 
Now, I'm not going to make this anecdotal and talk about the last episode of Atlanta or because uh, uh, because we, we yes. dealt with Paperboy uh, trying to fight off uh, a pig. Mike, this is the end time shit. And I, I, I'm ready to fight for my life against these pigs. Like if one of these pigs come after my children's like on God, I'm gonna have some bacon. Like I, I like this is this is not a joke. This is not a game. I don't want this to be taken seriously. Oh, Brandon Ryan Brooke, who leads the University of Saskatchewan's Canadian Pig Research Project, said, "Quote: Wild pigs are easily the worst invasive large mammal on the planet. That's what we're dealing with here." That well, that that feels like a chicken and egg thing. Is like, like I'm sure we are. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like we're like the, no, it's the pigs. Y'all don't even know it's the pigs. Well, again, like we did this. Farmers crossbred wild boars and domestic pigs in the '80s, so now we have super pig. Which Brandon, you brought up their size. The pigs escaped captivity, swiftly spread across Canada, and the super pig, also a great breeder, said that its giant size. One pig had been clocked at more than 300 kilograms, which is 661 pounds, and is able to survive wind chill of up to 50 degrees below zero Celsius. Those are incredible combine stats for these pigs. I'm telling you, Brandon, if your team's not getting ready no. to play super pig this offseason, if you don't have workouts specifically dedicated to making sure you're ready for uh, for super pig, like it's playing one of the service academies in the triple option, you're preparing to fail. Those are just the facts. I know you're I know you're being funny, and it is funny, but in all seriousness, football players might save the world. If this shit keeps up. I feel like there's only way to to fight a pig is with pigs, and and the ground and pound game versus our ground and pound game with with, with weaponry. Like I'm, I'm worried about us, but I, I believe in us. It goes back to the most important tweet, maybe of recent history, which is the thirty to fifty feral hogs tweet. Do you remember that one? No. I'm looking it up right now just to make sure I get exactly right. Yes, here it is. Legit question for rural... This is Willie McNabb. Legit question for rural Americans. How do I kill 30 to 50 feral hogs that run into my yard within three to five minutes while my small kids play? We got to talk to him and find out if he got the answers, Brandon. Oh man, his those pigs are in his house now. I think I think that's probably how that how that ended. I've seen so many articles. Thirty to fifty feral hogs guy had a point. So, if you are somewhere preparing for the future of thirty to fifty feral super pigs. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Tell us in the review how you would defend yourself and your family against Super Pig. And if you want to see the fear in Brandon's eyes talking about this, make sure you check out and subscribe to the DraftKings YouTube channel and check us out under the Gojo with Mike Bullock Jr. playlist. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>